Hello and welcome to the Jersey Herd podcast. My name is Maria McDermott. I am the business development consultant for Asia and I will be your host for this episode. With me today is Yao Chong Tan, who joined us in September last year to broaden our presence in Southeast Asia. As our business development director for the region, Yao is based in Singapore and has extensive business and corporate finance experience. Welcome, Yao. Thanks, Maria. It's been nine months since I joined Jersey Finance and I was back in the island in September last year. I'm really glad to be back here again this time to catch up with you as well as the other rest of the BD teams whom I'll probably be meeting for the first time since joining GFL. Great. And I know you've got a very busy diary this week as well, meeting various member firms. So, Yao, how has the first half of the year been for you in terms of business development and consultancy in Singapore? Okay, it's been a very busy first half of uh, 2023. I've had like so far 200 over meetings with gatekeepers in Singapore, mostly from the private wealth and fund space. For private wealth, I think Singapore is continuing to see the number of family officers to grow. I think the numbers were standing at about 1,100 at the end of the last year. And uh, I think versus that, about 700 as at the end of 2021. So that's quite a substantial growth. I think most gatekeepers on the ground would probably, you know, feel that uh, the trend is going to go continue on. But I think the growth rate for family officers will probably slow down. And I think in April last year, um, the MAS actually introduced new rules that increased the minimum AUM requirement as well as the minimum local investments required. And I think recently the MAS has also started to uh, implement new rules that requires even higher minimum AUM as well as also local investment, uh, including some philanthropic and uh, ESG investment tax incentives. So I think overall, you can see that, uh, you know, I think even though there are a lot of people who are setting up family offices in Singapore, most of the AUM is not really going to be deployed in Singapore. It will be deployed elsewhere. And in this regard, I think, uh, you know, UK and European real estate being seen as mainly evergreen kind of investments. So I think uh, given Jersey's close relationship with Europe and the UK, I think there's going to be opportunities for Jersey going ahead in terms of the private wealth sector. In terms of the funds angle, I think we are continuing to see interest in UK real estate. I think we are also seeing interest in funds, uh, which requires investments in uh, so-called non-designated investments in MAS, so-called Section 13D uh, tax incentive scheme. And uh, as well as, so last but not least, investments or funds which, are, which requires marketing to LPs who are located in specific EU member countries, which will not require the full AIFMD passport and under our national private placement regime. Yeah, That's great. It's good that you brought up family officers. I know that we were speaking earlier this week about single family officers and the fact that a lot of them are using the VCC structure in Singapore and it's highly regulated and that some of those family officers hadn't necessarily appreciated that when they set up in Singapore. I know Hong Kong has just introduced rules to ensure that those single family officers aren't regulated if they set up in Hong Kong. Obviously for Jersey, if they set up a JPF, it's not regulated, so it's an ideal structure for them. Do you think or are you aware of anything that the regulator in Singapore is going to introduce to help those single family officers that have set up these VCCs with the regulatory aspect to sort of get rid of some of that regulation to reflect that they are managing their own money? Okay, I think, you know, according to some of the feedback that I've been receiving on the ground, I don't think it's likely that the MAS will do anything to actually, you know, remove some of the restrictions in terms of uh, regulating the investments by single family officers. I think the main reason being, if you look on the overall basis, in terms of the total AUM managed by such single family officers, it is something like 90 billion. 
as at the end of May this year. Uh, if you look at it on the overall basis in terms of total AUM managed by Singapore so-called investors, I think we are looking at a 5.4 trillion USD dollars. So I think the AUM managed by single family officers is probably too small, less than 2%. So unlikely that the MAS will do anything to actually assist them in this regard. Okay, so there's maybe an opportunity for our member firms to sell them JPFs. Yeah. So how has the business landscape in Asia evolved or changed since the beginning of the year? And what implication has, has it had on your work? Well, the business landscape in China has improved dramatically because COVID, the borders reopened. Everybody now is sort of what COVID. It's like it never existed and, and travel has resumed. And that's obviously done a lot for the economy in terms of people traveling between Hong Kong and mainland China now. I am now traveling down to Hong Kong once a quarter, and that's great because we can meet with gatekeepers again and member firms. I think also as well, there's been a lot of pent-up demand in mainland China of people, particularly high net worth individuals, who've wanted to go out and meet with advisors and look at wealth management structures. And they were able to do that to a certain extent during the, when the border was closed. But it's not quite the same as getting in front of different advisors and meeting them and decide who you want to choose, particularly given that wealth management structures are long term and you want it to be a good working relationship. So there's a lot of business travelers coming into mainland China. There's also a lot of people going out conducting business, whether that's in Hong Kong, Singapore or in the UK and Europe. And there's obviously a lot of business going to US as well. And, you know, the thing is they are based in Shanghai. So um, how do you feel in terms of covering Hong Kong from Shanghai? Would that actually make, give you any kind of advantage or any kind of create any kind of uh, issues? I think, look, for the Asia market, as you know as well, Singapore and Hong Kong are vying for the business from mainland China. That's where a lot of the business comes from. So I think it's certainly given us an opportunity during COVID because we were there, boots on the ground, and able to get in front of these people in person. And I think it's just being that little bit closer gives us more of a feel for what's going on and meeting with different people. And that's obviously not always going to be the case if you're down in Singapore, down in Hong Kong. So I think it definitely gives us an advantage and just as well in terms of getting the Jersey Finance name out there. I know we, we were discussing earlier about the WeChat account. That's been going a year now. The stats for June were great in terms of our videos on meeting the members, case studies, so the, the name of Jersey is starting to get out and it really does help that we're there meeting with people in person and have somebody there. Excellent, because, you know, I personally, I like our WeChat group account a lot. I've been referring a lot of my uh, gatekeepers to, to actually take a look at our WeChat account. Likewise. So, good job, good job. <laughs> Okay, that's all we have time for today. For Asia-focused content covering funds, ESG, private wealth and events, follow us on WeChat. Or to find out more about Jersey as an international finance centre, visit our Chinese landing page using the link below. Thank you, Yao. Thanks, Maria.